You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Christmas is almost upon us. And in normal circumstances, and certainly there has been nothing normal about 2020, Christmas can often be a time where people, believe it or not, are more stressed out than they would normally be by virtue of the fact that, as some of my clients say, cabin fever sets in after a few days of being at home without having some of the distractions of normal everyday life. Now, as I said, there has been nothing normal about 2020 and a lot of people are already suffering from cabin fever. An awful lot of people will not be able to travel to spend time with the people that they'd love to spend time with over this Christmas as well. So the first point I would make, although this is not what this podcast episode is about, the first point I would make is that over the coming days in the next week or week and a half, you need to remember first of all, that it is wonderful to be alive. I'm sitting within a hundred yards of a house where there is a young wife and three young daughters who will spend their first Christmas without husband or father. It's wonderful to be alive. Think of the joy of even being able to breathe in and out and the joy of being able to spend time with people who mean something to you. I would urge you over the next week, week and a half, to give yourself the elbow room, the personal time, the me time, the mental space, to do a little meditating. For a whole variety of reasons, the most important of which is that every time we meditate, we further restructure the key parts of the brain that we need to be involved in the cut and thrust of our everyday life. What I would describe as the doing part of the brain. The bit of the brain that will enable us to do just what we need to do to achieve what we really, really would love to achieve out of life. The other point about meditating over the next week, week and a half, is that it will, and I quote a client in Sao Paulo in Brazil in this regard, it will enable you spread the joy, spread the calm, rather than succumbing to the cabin fever that I mentioned earlier on. However, I have something far more important that I would like you to do over the next few days as well. And indeed we'll talk again just before the new year. So between now and the next podcast episode, I would like you to use some of that elbow room, that mental time, that me time that I mentioned a moment ago, to begin to reflect upon the kind of life that you really, really want. It's a cliche I know 
that coming up to the end of the year, people begin to think about the new year. And they begin to dust off last year's New Year's resolutions, or possibly the same New Year's resolutions that they've been dusting off for dozens of years. Because, unfortunately, even though so much is written about how you can get what you want by having these kind of commitments, these New Year's resolutions. That is not how the mind works. It is not how you achieve anything. New Year's resolutions are directed at the thinking mind. And I mentioned a moment that that is not the part of the mind that you most want to be involved in your everyday life part that you need to be involved in your everyday life is the doing part of your mind, the subconscious mind, the subcortical brain. New Year's resolutions mean nothing to the doing mind for the simple reason that the doing mind doesn't understand words like wishing, hoping or wanting. So for example, if you write down, I want to be eight kilos lighter by Valentine's Day. The subconscious mind will neither understand the want bit nor understand the time bit because the subconscious mind only understands the present tense. As we've said before, and as I will explore in a later episode, I'm sure I will, the subconscious mind doesn't understand what either psychology or quantum physics calls the arrow of time. The arrow of time clearly we intellectually understand as moving from the past through the present to the future. Subconscious mind doesn't differentiate between past or future. It thinks everything is in the present. So if I say to my subconscious mind, I want to be eight kilos lighter by Valentine's Day, that's six weeks from now. And the subconscious mind, maybe it's seven weeks, I'm an accountant, I can't add or subtract. The subconscious mind doesn't understand that span of time. In the same way as if you were ever asked at an interview, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, the rubbish questions that HR people ask. It's a totally and utterly meaningless question to the part of your brain that will enable you get you to where you really, really want to go. So for starters, I want you to completely discard the notion that you need or should even have New Year's resolutions for 2021. Now I know, because of what I've just said in relation to the arrow of time, that a lot of my clients say to me, well, why do I even need to think about the new year when the 1st of January is just a date on a calendar. It's an artificial starting point. Surely every day is a starting point for the new life that I want to live. And my answer always is that actually it's not every day, it's every now. Because the more I develop my ability to be present in the here and now, the more I can choose to do the right things in the here and now and set my life off on the trajectory that I want it to go. I don't need to wait for an artificial date in the calendar, but there is something special about the Christmas break. And the special thing about it is that everybody or most everybody is on holidays at the same time. And therefore many of the normal cares and worries or anxieties 
that even come with people on their, for example, summer holidays, because they know everything's still going on back at the factory or back at the office. All that's gone over Christmas, because everybody's on holidays together. And there is a calm that should descend, doesn't always descend, as I said earlier on when I mentioned cabin fever. There is a calm that descends that enables our minds calm down and perhaps with a little bit of meditation clear. And you know as our minds clear what we want out of life becomes clearer. And the clearer our minds are the more easy it is to imagine what that wonderful life we would all love to have would actually look like feel like, sound like, smell like and taste like. So there is something very specific that I want you to begin to reflect upon between now and our next episode, our next podcast next week. In the couple of days after Christmas, when you have a bit of time on your hands, rather than wasting time on the internet, rather than wasting time looking at stuff that you don't want to look at, rather than just going out for a walk to escape from the cabin fever. I want you to give yourself a little bit of space and time to reflect on the kind of life that you really want. Now let me elaborate on that, because that's a little, a little vague, or an awful lot of people misunderstand what I've just said. Really I'm talking about what experiences would you love to have more of in your life? I haven't asked you what you don't want to have in your life. We don't need to go there. What we need to do is reflect upon the things that we would really, really love to experience and the things we'd love to experience more and more. I'm going to ask the question another way. In an ideal world, what are the kind of things you want from life? Now I've deliberately asked the question that way because most people will immediately balk at the word ideal. The number of times I've been told there's no such thing as an ideal life. In fact the word ideal shouldn't be in people's vocabularies as somebody said to me quite recently. Everybody assumes that you can't have your ideal life. Everybody expects that you can't have your ideal life because our expectations were programmed into us by people who never thought there was any such thing as an ideal life, by people who were mindless. And I'm not getting at our parents, by the way. Most parents, mine included, brought up their children with love, care and attention, with the best will in the world. But because of the way the normal mind works on automatic pilot, they did things for us and to us that gave us lower expectations than we should really have of life and, most importantly, of ourselves. So therefore we live in a world where everybody, all the normal crazy people, agree so that there is a norm that you can't have your ideal life. What kind of halfwit would expect to wake up in the morning and have an ideal day? I'll tell you the kind of halfwit. The kind of halfwit that actually expects it to happen because, as we've said before, 
we perceive and achieve what we expect to perceive and achieve. This has been beautifully demonstrated by neuroscience. You simply don't see or hear what you don't expect to see or hear. It simply goes straight through your head, in one ear, out the other, in one eye, out the back. You simply do not see, experience, feel or hear what you don't expect. And that simply means that if you change your expectations, your whole experience of life immediately changes. And more importantly, the way in which you can expect new things to happen in your life, the way in which you can set your mind to have new expectations, that drives your life in a new direction. And rather than the mishmash of directions that were thrust upon you when you were young and impressionable by people th thrusting their ideas on you, like the idea that you can't have an ideal life. Now as an adult, you can decide to give yourself expectations that you want, that you'd like to have in your life, that you want to experience. And that's why I'm asking you the question, in an ideal world, what kind of life do you want to experience? What kind of things do you want to have in your life? Who would you share those experiences with? Now, I've been asking this question of my clients since I started doing this on the 1st of February 1996. And pretty much without exception, any time I've asked this question, after which my clients have gone off to consider and reflect upon the question, the immediate feedback I get is the following. Actually, I was talking to a girl that I've been working with for a while and I asked her the question I've just asked you to reflect upon in an ideal world. What kind of life experiences would you really, really like to have? And she came back to me a few days later and she said, I went for a, a long walk by the sea and I let that question just settle in my head. I, I didn't go and think about it, because thinking about it comes from the thinking mind, and I'll come back to that in a moment. So I didn't really think about it, it's just stuff began to come to the surface. And the stuff that came to the surface was really, really exciting. But then I thought to myself, ah, that's unrealistic. Now it's the thinking mind thought it was unrealistic. It is the thinking mind that can't imagine the kind of life we want because the thinking mind operates on the thoughts that were put in there when we were young and impressionable. It'll never be able to understand, rem remotely understand, an answer to the question that I've asked you. It will never be able to imagine the kind of life you would really love to have for the simple reason that the kind of life to which we are all entitled once we let ourselves loose of our own self-limiting beliefs is beyond the imagination of the normal thinking mind. But think about it, or maybe don't reflect upon it. Because I've heard that unrealistic word hundreds of times over the last 25 years. Ah, that's unrealistic. That couldn't happen to me. Who says it's unrealistic? You see, the point about the thinking mind 
the normal thinking mind is that it's normal. In other words, there's a norm established by enough crazy people who got together and said, this is the way the world works. This is what you have to do to be a success. That's unrealistic. You know, you need to be realistic. And the word realistic, by the way, when used by normal people is a push down. Oh, you need to be realistic. But it's only normal people who have agreed on a norm of what is realistic and unrealistic. If I were to go up onto the ski slopes, they're not open this Christmas, but you know, last Christmas, go up onto the ski slopes and tap on the shoulder one of these guys on a ski that has no legs. I'd, uh, I, if I was a normal person, if I was a crazy person, I'd say to him, you can't do that. That's not realistic. Or if I was to stop one of the blind skiers that you see skiing effortlessly and beautiful on the piste and say to him, you can't do that. That's unrealistic. He thinks it's realistic. He knows it's realistic because he's actually doing it. You need to be very careful about people who say to you, you can't have that, that's unrealistic. And most importantly, you need to be most on your guard against the voice in your own head that will tell you repeatedly, you can't have that, it's unrealistic. That's your thinking mind. And your thinking mind has been programmed by people who thought alike. And they all, together, as a norm, thought about what is realistic and unrealistic. There is little unrealistic in our world. Clearly, I need to be myself personally realistic when I come to thinking about the kind of life that I want purely from a physical perspective. As a 62-year-old, I am not going to play in the next Rugby World Cup for Ireland in Paris in 2023. That's simply a statement of fact. But beyond those physical limitations, and when you come back to it and think about the uh, one-legged skiers or the skiers with no legs or the blind skiers, even those physical constraints don't define what realistic or unrealistic is. Beyond, in other words, the clearly obvious, not obvious to the thinking mind, but the clearly obvious, there are no limits. So, as you begin to reflect on the question that I have asked you to reflect upon, what kind of life would you really, really like to experience? Without a shadow of a doubt, your thinking mind is going to say, that's unrealistic. Push your thinking mind on the bold step in the bold corner where she or he belongs. The thinking mind knows nothing, but he or she thinks he does, or she does. The thinking mind will say something else to you as well, and this is a horrible one. It's a really horrible one. The thinking mind will tell you that you don't deserve the kind of things you would love to experience. You know, over the years people have said to me, oh, that, that's an, an Irish Catholic thing. You know, you're, you're a hopeless sinner and you don't deserve anything good in this life because if you get good stuff in this life, you're in serious trouble in the next life. 
I said this to a group of people in Nottinghamshire a couple of years ago, and one of the guys in the room said to me, he said, oh, no, that's not an Irish Catholic thing. You don't have a monopoly on that kind of thing. A good Anglican education will tell you exactly the same thing. You don't deserve it. You are an undeserving soul. Worse, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago who is on the verge of achieving one of his really, really, really big goals. And he said to me, I know this is about to happen, and I know that once it happens, I'll actually feel guilty. So it isn't that he just doesn't deserve it. Knowing that he doesn't deserve it, he's going to feel guilty when he gets what he wanted in the first place. You see how crazy the normal thinking mind is? This little niggling noise in your head, this voice in your head that says, no, you can't do that, you can't have that, that's unrealistic, you don't deserve that, and because you don't deserve it, if you get it, you're going to feel guilty. Any time any of those things occurs to you, as you reflect on the question that I have asked you to reflect upon over the next week, let those thoughts pass, because that is all they are. They are what is unrealistic. Your thinking mind has been holding you back all of your adult life. You know, I said earlier on that we only perceive and achieve according to our expectations. According to the research, 96% of people, and I think that's an understatement by the way, I think it's more like 99% of people on this planet live down to their expectations. And you know, most people will say to me, well it's not their fault. That is the way they have been programmed. That is the way they have learned. That is the way normal people travel in packs and live their lives. It is their fault. If you're living down to your expectations, now you know it is your fault because you can have any expectations that you choose to have. And there are no limits. So, question once again simply put after the Christmas festivities have begun to wind down and before the new year comes upon us I want you to use some of that time to reflect upon this simple question in an ideal world kind of things do you want to experience in this life of yours? Now this reflective time between now and the new year also provides people with another interesting opportunity because more often than not you will spend this period with someone that you love or people that you love and no man nor woman is an island most of the clients with whom I work go further and faster if they have these kind of reflective periods together. If you actually toss around ideas together, 
husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. The most joyful journeys in life are journeys that you share. The most successful experiences in life are joint ventures. Two heads are better than one. And it is in my experience over the last 25 years that the people with whom I've worked who are working with somebody else, either a team in business or, more importantly, a loved one, they go further and faster because nobody is in their way and somebody else is actually supporting them or indeed kicking them when they, they fall off the horse because everybody falls off the horse in terms, for example, of meditation. People who have the support of a fellow traveller are actually going to move faster, more effortlessly. So in posing the question on, upon which I've asked you to reflect, you might consider posing that question to someone you love, someone with whom you are sharing life's journey to. Our lives are what we make them. We know for a scientific fact that how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive what's going on, how we perceive reality, in the normal course of our everyday lives, creates our response, our reaction, our behaviour. And therefore, even the way in which the normal mind works results in our creating our own reality. Seeing as how you do create your own reality, why don't you create the reality that you'd prefer to have? Life is what you make it. Make it great. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-hall.com.